even in HR, we're seeing like legislation globally even starting to move towards giving people a choice. So if you can give people a choice of how they want to present themselves by name, why not give them a choice of how they want to present themselves in avatar form if you're going to give avatars in your HR experience at any point? So it's, a, it's about representation and choice, like that freedom of letting your people, valuing them enough to say, you know what, however it is that you want to be addressed or seen or valued in our organization, we respect that and we give you the place to do that as our employee. Hi, everyone, and welcome back for a new episode of All About HR. My name is Nayli, I'm your host, and on today's episode, I get to speak with Giselle Mota. Giselle is a lot of things. She is a futurist, she is the principal future of work at ADP, and she also is the co-creator of the Nifty Collective, a very interesting project that we are going to talk about. I am super excited about today's conversation, so we are going to dive right in. But before we do that, as always, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell and like this video. to another episode of All About HR. Now, let me welcome Giselle to the show. Hi there, Giselle. How are you? Hey, Neely. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well, too. Thank you very much. Um, Giselle, perhaps we can start by you telling us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, there's a lot to say. You kind of covered it as far as that I do a lot of things. And I think in general today, in today's world of work, like so many people are so many things, it's hard to kind of, you know, tie them into a corner. So in general, though, I love inclusion. I am about intersection of technology and inclusion. And if there's anything I can do to help make the world a better place so that people are not left behind of technology and experiences, and that's that's what I'm about. Yes, that is what you are about. And that is also why I'm so excited to be speaking with you today, because recently, Giselle, I saw that you shared uh, an article on LinkedIn, and that was all about disability inclusion in Web 3.0 and the metaverse. And that's when, you know, we got in touch because I said, okay, I would love to record a podcast with you about this topic. And so that's why we are here today. Um, now, you are committed to bringing more inclusion and access to Web3 and the metaverse spaces. But perhaps, um, yeah, for those of us in the audience who don't immediately know exactly what we mean by Web3, uh, perhaps we can briefly, yeah, explain that. Sure. Web3 is more of like the next version of how people are going to use the internet. And it's still in development now. And basically, if you think about how we use the internet or even computers, like at the very beginning when we were doing dial up, I don't know if you're, are you old enough to remember like when yeah. you had that, eh, eh, yeah, you know, exactly. and, uh, the connection, <laughs> the dial up, yeah. and, you know, you got mail, like all of that. So the experiences are becoming more decentralized. And that's a word you're going to hear a lot with Web3. All that means is that instead of having a middle person, like a big corporation that's always owning any digital asset that you put out. So like if you put up a picture today on social media, it doesn't really belong to you. It belongs to that social media provider. But in Web3, it's about people owning what they put out, whether any digital asset and even making businesses and organizations around kind of this um, system that is governed by blockchain. Uh, and so basically you're the owner, you cut out the middleman, it's decentralized. 
And uh, this is where we talk about things like NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and all that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, that's what that's about. And uh, that's Web3. And I think you, did you ask about Metaverse? Well, I think we can do a Metaverse at the same time now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, Metaverse is actually like, it's not new. We all are, we're in the metaverse right now. I'm talking and, and other people are watching, right, online. And so they are part of this metaverse experience. Whenever you watch something online or you're playing a game online or you're doing any kind of experience in that way, it's the metaverse. And so we have used things like 3D design and animation for years, not new. We've used things like virtual reality for years, augmented reality, like all these experiences you join them together in a happy marriage, and now you have this thing called metaverse. And uh, we've coined this phrase now. People are popular, you know, making it popular, but it's still people will say like, "Well, the metaverse isn't really here yet." It is in a way, and there's more to be developed. And so that's what that's about. Thank you very much for that. Now, if we then talk about the current status of inclusion and disability inclusion and access in Web3 and metaverse spaces at the moment, what can you tell us about that? You know, it's funny because uh, at the moment, it is a reflection of what's happening in our physical worlds and even the reflection of what's happening in Web 2.0, which is how we interact with the web today. So if you look around at, you know, organizations putting a focus on diversity and inclusion, there's always been like this undercurrent of that some people are left out of certain experiences, whether that's, you know, experiences in technology, experiences in like processes, like not getting paid fairly, not being represented in genders fairly, all, all that stuff exists in the real world. It translates into the online world, like what we know today, and then it translates into the metaverse and web three. So as of today, there are articles and publishings out of unfortunate statistics that even NFT projects, right? So these artworks that you see apes or you see all these, you know, uh, images of people and all that. In the beginning, the people who were pushing that out and making the most um, compensation on it were homogenous looking people, it tends to be Eurocentric men. And people of color were left out, women were left out, and obviously, always, as always, people with disabilities are left out. And so now what you're seeing are groups of people from the LGBTQ plus world or from, you know, more women representation and people of color are entering into these spaces to own, to create, to, you know, be voices in it, which is great. But also people with disabilities uh, still are left out a lot. I mean, and that's because these worlds are kind of like inaccessible a lot of times. So it's hard to if you want to like have a VR experience in the metaverse and you get motion sickness or you're blind or all these other things, well, it's, it's not an option for you, right? Or if you need to do like digital identity verification on a, on one of these, you know, apps or systems like Coinbase or et cetera to actually obtain an NFT, it's hard to do that process. And it, I can go on and on with different examples, but it's not accessible and there's not representation today, unfortunately. Yeah, so Giselle, what I'm wondering now um, is, have you got the feeling that when we talk about inclusion, that um, the people with disabilities, that they often are a forgotten group, so to speak, within within the discussion about inclusion? Yes. And, and you know why that is, I think, Neely? It's because when people talk about diversity, they often don't realize that disability is a diversity. And if you think about it, 1 billion people in the whole global population have some sort of disability. 
right? With the global pandemic, more and more people are becoming disabled because of some sort of chronic illnesses that have resulted off of the pandemic or et cetera. So what we're seeing now are more people having disabilities, but less access of those people to be able to have these experiences that, that are continuing to flourish, right? And uh, yeah, so unfortunately that is the case. It's It's not seen as, you know, Diversity is disability, and we're not really tying that in together enough. No. Do you have any ideas of how we could actually increase that? Yes, I think I think that I think if we start of changing our perspective a little bit, that would help. Because again, as I noted, as I noted, there's one billion people in the global population that have a disability, right? Alone. But of those one billion people, like I'm sitting here and I have a disability that you can't see. I have a disability of dyslexia. So that's called a neurodivergence. I see the world a little bit differently because my brain processes that way, right? And I'm not the only one, uh, you know, but I also am intersectional, which is a phrase coined by um, an author named Kimberly Crenshaw. And what that means is like, even you yourself and our audience, we're not just one thing. I'm a disabled or I have a disability, right? I have a disability, but I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. I'm an Afro-Latina at that. I'm a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if, if more organizations and just in general, people would realize humans are so nuanced. We are so, like, we have so much to us. And if we start to embrace that concept more, then something like a disability won't be something that's overlooked. It'll be like, oh, this person sees the world a little differently, or they have to access an experience a little bit differently. Uh, because it makes up who they are. So when we create technologies, we need to keep that in mind. And if we did that, you know, we would include everyone uh, with all of these innovations. Yeah, and you said that so beautifully, I think, Giselle, there, because I mean, yes, every person sees the world a bit differently. Uh, and imagine how much good that could bring to a, to a company and, and then, of course, by extension to the world. So, um, yeah, so I think there's still so much more that we can achieve there. Uh, to be honest. I agree, for sure. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the Nifty Collective. This is, uh, of course, the main reason that we uh, got in touch, uh, first of all. So may- maybe you can start by telling us a little bit more about this project and uh, its mission. Yes. Okay, so it's a, an exciting and personal project to me because, as you mentioned, I've been working like in the future of workspace. I've been working in tech. I talk a lot always about like artificial intelligence, but combining that with you know, implications in bias and ethics and making sure that, you know, we're following diversity, equity, and inclusion and uh, analytics. I talk about all that. Great. But I took a step back like two years ago and I asked myself, what was I doing with my time? You know, because the United States, but also the globe went through this like unfortunate time of racial reckoning. And it was, there was so much discrimination, so much like ugliness that was coming out right in the whole world against certain groups of people. And I said to myself again, what am I doing with my time? How am I making a good contribution other than just the work that I do on a day-to-day basis? So I looked around and I thought about people. I thought about what was important to me as an individual. And I thought about, you know, a marginalized, underrepresented actually group of people, which is people with disabilities. And I thought if I can do something around merging my love and geekiness of technology, uh, but also merging that with my heart and passion of not allowing and people to be left out of all of these experiences as the world progresses. Then I came up with Nifty, right? Nifty is a play on a word. So uh, NFTs, right? It's a play on that word. The, the project is not an NFT project like you would consider um, when you hear about all other projects. It's more about 
uh, highlighting the niftiness or the specialness or the amazingness in people and people with disabilities. And the mission is to make sure that disability inclusion, representation, and accessibility is included in Web3 and Metaverse. So basically, the main focus is working with technology providers of these platforms and helping them towards including people with disabilities at every intersection point of the experience. That's the main vision. Um, the quick uh, the quick of it is we're, we've created these avatars of real people from around the world, and they have all types of disabilities, seeing disabilities. Like, you know, we have a character that was born with a condition called hypoplasia, which means that they were born without arms or legs, and they are in a wheelchair. This individual is a filmmaker. They're of African descent. They live in the UK. Amazing, amazing individual. And uh, we made an avatar of him. So he has the choice. And that's the key thing. He has the choice of if you go into, you know, want to buy uh, an avatar or a digital representation of yourself, you could choose to be an ape if you want. That's fine. That's what we have today. You could choose to be Snoop Dogg the rapper if you want. That exists today. You could, you know, play a game with that avatar. But you don't have the choice yet to show up without arms, without legs, in your wheelchair looking like you. And so we wanted to provide that choice for people. And that's that's what it is about. Beautiful. I was really listening to you, Dallin. <laughs> Seriously, I was, I was feeling it in my in my heart. It is. I think this is such a beautiful, uh, beautiful and super important project that you that you are working. Thank you, thank you. And uh, yeah, I, I could feel it through the screen. So, uh, so that's that's very nice. So this was an example that you gave about um, yeah an avatar for someone with a disability that is actually that that people can see as well. But I know right. from the article that there's also uh, avatars for let's say unseen disabilities so maybe you can also give us an example of that yes yes we have a few people in our collection right now who have disabilities you can't see uh everything from we have an individual with bipolar um, disorder we also have someone with adhd attention deficit um as well as uh, dyslexia we have people with autism so how do you mark yourself as a difference right when you're maybe on a meeting at work or you're playing a game and you're interacting with people and you're trying to like network and how do you do that so we we came up with just a simple uh marker which is every one of our characters has glasses and uh their their sunglasses are kind of like a cool urban look to them but what we did for people with an unseen disability is we created a specific design on it's like an abstract design that actually comes from our, our logo embedded in their glasses and so that is a marker and a symbol that somebody will know eventually we hope that this will take off as well that, hey, if you see a character with these glasses on, something's different about their cognition, their cognitive perspective that they have. So maybe it's because they have a different, you know, like a bipolar perspective, or maybe they have a neurodivergent perspective of autism or whatever it is, but that's that's what we did as a marker. Yeah, I, I, I very much like that touch. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, Giselle, before we are going to move on uh, more towards the role of HR, because, I mean, the podcast is called All About HR After All, but there's one yeah. last thing, because what would you say to people who might think, yeah, I mean, why do we need this avatars, you know, that actually uh, indicate if somebody has a disability or not? Why, why is that important? Maybe we can Maybe we can stress the importance of this. Yeah. That's a really good question. And I think it's a matter of not, it's not about having the avatar. It's about the choice to have the avatar or not. And so today there's technologies, even in HR, where if you're in a learning simulation 
or you're doing something as far as like even getting on a call, you there were there are certain providers that are creating like I, I believe Microsoft was doing one where instead of being on video or having just your profile picture, you can embody an avatar. Problem is, what if you're in a wheelchair? What if you're blind? What if you have a neurodivergence and you want people to know that? Do you have the choice? And I think that's important for even HR leaders to give their people choice. One of the things that we're even doing at my full-time organization at the moment is working on giving people the opportunity to show up as their preferred names. Some people are born in one gender. They change that around time and they change their name and they want to be called by that name that they're chosen. So even in HR, we're seeing like legislation globally even starting to move towards giving people a choice. So if you can give people a choice of how they want to present themselves by name, why not give them a choice of how they want to present themselves in avatar form if you're going to give avatars in your HR experience at any point? So it's, a, it's about representation and choice, like that freedom of letting your people, valuing them enough to say, you know what, however it is that you want to be addressed or seen or valued in our organization, we respect that and we give you the place to do that as our employee. Yeah. Thank you for that. Then slightly changing tack, as I said, because yeah, we are going to zoom in a little bit on yeah the role that HR can play in all of this. Yes. So um, Giselle, perhaps a bit of an open door, but still, I think the first question here would be, should HR be entering the metaverse? I mean, yes, I know that we are in a way we're already in the metaverse, but you know, um, first question probably, yeah, should they actually be entering it? I would say yes, because a lot of those organizations on the marketing brand side um, are already trying to create stores or, you know, different consumer experiences in these metaverse spaces. I could list off so many big brands that are already in these. So why not then allow people to work in those places, to socialize in those places, to learn in those spaces. So yeah, I think they should. Nice. And how do you see the role of HR when it comes to more specifically bringing more inclusion and access to Web3 and Metaverse spaces? Yeah, HR has a unique perspective of knowing what people want, need, how they utilize HR processes and experiences and, and HR technology. So you could take that in and say, hey, in web two, we, you know, there's web guidelines that organizations all, always get kind of into legal issues and et cetera every year because it's not as accessible. So HR could stand up and say, let's tap into how we need to think about and just always raise their hand and say, hey, we have some people that need accessibility options. They need perhaps like um, captions. They're going to need uh, maybe a transcription or somebody doing sign language or they're going to need uh, audio opportunities to experience. So we can't, we have to think broadly. And I think HR can always raise their hand and bring that to the table as technologists are creating these experiences or investing in platforms that are going to do that. Have you already come across organizations that are doing this very well already, Giselle? I will say that they're, you know what, not really. Hmm. To be honest, not really, because it's so new and organizations are just starting to get into it from the consumer side, as always. Everything always starts with the consumer, yeah. right? How do we market? How do we sell? And then finally, some a technology experience will come to the internal HR processes. 
So I have yet to see it. Yeah, but I think what is very exciting about this is that, I mean, obviously there's two sides to it, yeah, as with always. So I think there's a dark side about the metaverse and then there's always, there's also like a very, uh, let's call it the bright side of it. Let's start with the bright side. Now, it could yeah. really provide a massive opportunity there, here to build communities and also workplaces that really have this, this, this belonging and this inclusion, right? So I'm wondering, I guess here, how can HR really harness the metaverse to make that inclusion real and tangible? I know that we're talking yeah. a little bit about the future now, but I mean, at the same time, why not? You know, because we both are. Yeah, why not? That's what I do. I'm a futurist. All right. So yeah. <laughs> I think there's a couple ways. So one of them is immersive experiences. So when you have, you know, when you're trying to, to train an employee on something, a concept, whether it's, hey, everyone, we need to take inclusion training or this is how we do X, Y, Z process. It's better sometimes to immerse someone in experience where they can know that lived experience or feel it, or, you know, have that moment. So in a metaverse space, you can create simulations, you can create different interactions, interaction points, and there's not this like barrier of physicality. So let's say that I want to work alongside an individual who's across the globe from me, right? I can do that in this space. We can collaborate. I can have a simulated object that we're both working on in the same time through mixed reality, where they probably have the physical asset in their hands. I'm seeing the digital version of it, and we're both working on it together at the same time in a metaverse space, a digital environment space. You can create like learnings and trainings. I know a lot of people are working hybrid now, and maybe even some organizations have gone fully remote. So we miss that human interaction in a lot of cases. And again, if you're separated by distance or separated because of, you know, issues like remote work or hybrid work, you could still join and, and like network and have like a happy hour or something where you're getting together, not on a Zoom call, you know, but maybe something more like an immersive experience in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways from learning to onboarding, to training, to working actually on projects together. So doing work in the metaverse. Um, in fact, I believe Subway restaurant chain has created a virtual store where they actually have a real employee making cryptocurrencies by making virtual sandwiches Wow! <laughs> as an experience in the metaverse. I know. I don't know how we're going to eat a virtual sandwich, but it, that, it's a thing. So yeah, the, those things exist. Okay, nice. So G Giselle, practically, you know, um, imagine there are people in the audience listening who are working in HR, which is, which is very likely, and they're not there yet with their organization, but they would like to prepare themselves already, you know, to uh, enter the metaverse at some point. Do you have any thoughts on how they could do that? Yeah, there's... There's a few things. Um, I will say YouTube is full of awesome and amazing resources, even for free, to learn definitions, to learn what platforms and things exist out there. That's one. I know that there's some courses, even on through LinkedIn already. I've been seeing people post courses around the metaverse and Web3. Kathy Hackle has put out a verse. She's no, uh, she's put out a book. She's known as the queen uh, or the godmother of the metaverse. And she has a book that recently came out about the metaverse. So you can check that out. Nice. Um, I'm just dropping names and resources mm. because there's a lot out there right now. Um, and I think apart from that in general, it's good for HR people to start learning uh, a little bit about like, ask even your kids or, or other people, you know, who are using things like Roblox, Minecraft, Sandbox, these are platforms on the metaverse that are even sometimes using Web3 
and cryptocurrencies and things like that to to function. So just ask the kids, basically, <laughs> and you'll start to get a little understanding. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for that. Now, Giselle, we are actually getting to the part of the podcast where I get to ask my guests about what they believe is the biggest cliche about HR, first of all. So there's that one for you. That's fine. You know what irks me a little bit? This is this is one that I don't like. We hear so many times organizations will say in HR, human resources and humans are our, our main resource and our asset. But I feel like, first of all, the word, the term itself is a little strange because if you think about human resources, like even when HR started, it's kind of like this process of taking people and making them function as parts like cogs in, in the part of a process to get like to an end result of an assembly line. Yeah. And I think too often people are seen as resources. And then I feel like too many organizations use this cliche about humans, you know, in the resource, but they lack the follow through of treating people like humans or they're humans like people. So I think it's like, uh, let's get away from the cliche so much and actually put some action behind our words and treat people well. That's it. So that's, I'm off my soapbox now. That's awesome. <laughs> nice one. And uh, and about the word human resources, actually, actually quite funny that you that you say that because we had a guest on the podcast not too long ago, and she said that they had a joke in the company she was actually working on the people team that where they said that every time you say HR, somewhere in the world a puppy dies. So they made a point <laughs> out of not saying HR but people team. Uh, so yeah, um, more puppies. Yes. <laughs> yeah, more puppies. <laughs> All right. And then Giselle, we always ask our guests if they want. Want to share an epic win uh, and an epic fail with us and this can be anything so some we had personal stories we also had professional successes and fails it can be anything you would like to share all right this is fun an epic fail i will say when i when i was in college in my undergraduate degree my parents, they were immigrants to the United States. So everything that they built, they built from the ground up. And they wanted to give me an opportunity with some money that they had collected over the years. Like they wanted to give me an opportunity to be like an entrepreneur. I, I showed them that I wanted to do business. I went to business school. Like I, it looked promising. So they gave me, they invested some money in me to do this, to, to this. I don't know, I was like, like 20, 21, 22 years old over here, you know, for the first time with the money to do my own business. Ugh. I can't tell that was the worst experience, but the bit, but the good learning experience too. So it was, it failed miserably. I will say that. So I don't have one of those stories of like, I went out and 21 years old became an entrepreneur and I was successful. It's not like that. I failed, <laughs> but uh, in doing so, like I, around that time, the market crashed, the global market crashed, especially in the United States. I think it was around, oh, I won't date myself. I'm not going to date myself. <laughs> But yes, that was a fail. I hope that answers the question. Yes, it does. Definitely. And then do you also have an epic win? You know, honestly, if I look back and I kind of touched on it earlier, but like the past couple of years was awakening for me personally on so many levels. And it really made me stand up beyond like, you know how sometimes even uh, underrepresented people, a lot of times they have, um, they almost feel like they have something to prove uh, sometimes in certain organizations and certain processes we are striving a lot. We strive. We strive to make it. We strive to succeed. We strive to prove that we belong, etc. Something came over me over the past couple of years that I was like, no more of that. I'm never going to do that again. That's not going to be my mentality. And I'm actually going to uplift other people with the work that I do. And thus this project, thus, you know, different work that I'm doing and involved in and my attitude in life. And so, so that's been my biggest win so far. Wow. 
Yeah, that's a beautiful one. And uh, I can definitely see uh, that you're inspiring other people with the work that you're doing. You're inspiring me already, and we're only having a conversation for the podcast. So I think you're doing a lot of that. And then really my final question, Giselle, is what is next for the Nifty Collective? Okay, so right now we have been launching because July is um, Disability Pride Month. So we've been launching and releasing all of the avatars with their with the people who uh, inspire them. So we'll be putting that in social media across LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all the month of July. Next from that is we're going to be pushing and continuing to work with technology providers to partner with them and collaborate on all types of experiences. So the mission is not just this artwork. The mission and the big goal is let's use these digital identities of people with disabilities in games and uh, movie productions in you know co-branding efforts in trainings and learning and development and wherever we can we're going to do that so even if anybody's listening out in this audience and they want to connect with us because you have an opportunity to embed what we're doing into some kind of project let's do it and that's that's where we are we're, we're going to infiltrate the world of web3 and metaverse with people with disabilities. And that's that's what it's all about. Wow, and so where can people best reach out to you then, Giselle? LinkedIn, I'm always there so people can reach out there. Um, and then the project itself, we have presence there, but also Instagram is one of the, for some reason, people are flocking there to kind of look at the content. And on Instagram, we are nfty.official. So nifty.official. Thank you. And then thank you very much for this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been so nice. Thank you. It has been. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And as always, don't forget, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell and share this episode with a friend. See you very soon for another episode of All About HR. Bye. (laughs) 